0: All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to an abbreviated edition of the Ken Miller Show. It's 1700 KBGG. Trent Condon and myself with you until 1 o'clock here this afternoon. And then live from Wells Fargo, Trent Condon will be, well, he's going to spend for the bits and pieces of the next three weeks, quite frankly, down there with the girls and then the boys to follow. But it's wrestling, and we'll talk a little bit about that coming up. Uh, coming up on the program today, obviously, we'll recap uh, yesterday's Hawks loss. You know what I should have said? We'll recap Drake's win, Ah, right? Yes, yes. Uh, what, a, what an effort by Reed Timmer. My God, 39 points out of him. Big spot, big win for the uh, Drake Bulldogs. And then we'll get into Iowa. And the uh, misery continues uh, with the Hawkeyes as they fall in convincing fashion through Michigan. How'd you do last night in your bets, by the way, Sicko?
1: Well, pretty good. Pretty good. Did, huh? I had a winning night, which has been rare over the last, really, month. <laughs> it's been a bad month, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, but the two easiest ones were Michigan and Drake. You no, had them both. Had them both, and, and boy. those were uh, two unit plays. So actually, even you could say fifteen and ten, I guess, if you want to play the units. And uh, I was pretty happy last night. What did Drake tip at? Two. It was one and a half when one I got a- it. Okay. Afternoon, and that was convincing. I was tight early. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Dipped in and out a little bit, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they were good, and Reed Timber, You're right. Oh my God, what a kid he is too. Uh, we had an opportunity to talk with him what three weeks back something about like that? that.
0: We w- I want to do so again before the yes. uh, Valley tournament. Well, let's let's effort that next week, don't that, you think? That would be great as he gets said. Pri- maybe prior to his senior day mm-hmm. uh, at the Nap Center, which is good. God, it's coming up so fast with uh, with the Valley and the Big Ten tournament holding, or the Big Ten uh, conferences holding their tournaments. I should say on the same weekend,
1: we are running out of time. You you would figure. A guy like that that shown the ability that he did to shoot the basketball. At the very least, he could have found a home at a major program. Yeah, I
0: would think. He probably wouldn't have played as early as he did. Right.
1: But after the first couple of years, say it's not working here, Mm -hmm. wherever it may be, stuck it out, Mm -hmm. and he's being rewarded. Three coaches. Three coaches. Yeah. Not easy, Trent. It's not. It's not. And uh, for him to persevere through that, go down as one of the all-timers at Drake, and Boy, for him to go out on a high note, mm-hmm. Drake gets in. Let's, let's say, what do they got left here? In the, how many games are left in the season? Four? Uh, three. 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 Say they go two and one. They're the like two or three seed, whatever it is. And then they win the conference tournament. What are they for a seed in the NCAA? Are they a 14. <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm gonna go
1: there with you. Yeah, let's do it. Come um, on, we gotta have some fun here because this basketball season is sucked in yes, the state. Yes, somewhere around there, I, I I would say probably a 14. Maybe, yeah, probably so. You and I's first appearance under Greg McDermott, they were a 14 seed. Were they? Played Georgia Tech. Were played you in tight. school then? Yes, that's how you remember. Yes, played them tight. Had uh went down to the wire, and I believe that was the Georgia Tech squad. That went all the way to the championship game. Wow. It's, memory serves. Wow. Now i got to check it, and I'm probably going to be dead wrong. But, yeah, McDermott's first team, uh, they weren't getting in as a large. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of built from there. But mm-hmm. went down there. I think they upset maybe Wichita in the semifinals and got it done in the championship game. So... Can happen. Fourteen seed. Hey, fourteens beat threes quite often. We've seen it. We've seen it in this state, have we not?
0: Yes. Well, it didn't happen in this state, but it happened to a team from this state, and uh, your Iowa Hawkeyes. Well, let's talk about the Hawks last night. Trent. Bright spot. Luca Garza. Next.
1: Ooh, Moss been, had his moments. They all made it. There was no train or plane trouble. No. It sounded like. <laughs> um, That's the.
0: Boy mm-hmm. Nungie struggled last night, didn't he? They he did. gave him an opportunity to start, and mm-hmm. he did not. Uh, uh and I live up to that. Uh, live up to that role that he was awarded. I only played 12 minutes, didn't make a basket Trent. did not make a single basket he had one rebound uh, that that was it. Um, McCaffrey was going line changes uh, at one point in the game, just trying to find something. The turnovers were just uh, atrocious. I think with what 12 in the first half, something like that. Yeah. I, I guess if there's silver lining, the final 20 minutes, there was only four, but my God, it was um, it was just another embarrassing performance.
1: This is a dumb basketball team. They're just—it's not basketball IQ. It's not good. No. How many times in, in that game, and how many times
0: in the season have you seen guys just sashay their way through the lane, mm-hmm. uncontested? I mean, with nobody around. I think honestly, and I've seen a couple of guys miss these shots because they're so shocked that there's no Absolutely. one near them. Yes, yes, it happens a ton. Right. It's I- like a quarterback with a wide open receiver, and those are the ones you—you know—you miss mm-hmm. because. It's just, I I can't believe how many times we've seen this over and over and over again. Look, Garza was good. Garza was good He's last night. He shooting the basketball,
1: hitting mm-hmm. that 16-foot jumper Showing from the some emotion out there. Yes. Showing some
0: passion out there. It took Cook a while to get going. He mm-hmm. really never did get going. And you've got to give credit to Beeline and company because yes, yes. after he went off the way he did the first time that the two schools played, it was going to be a different story last night.
1: It clearly was. They made a concerted effort there. They made yep. a concerted effort. For, and Bohannon and in Bohannon, same way. Right. If they're going to beat us, they're going to have to do it off the mm-hmm. bounce. We are up in them. And if they're, they're not going to do it shooting the basketball, mm-hmm. they're going to have to get to the right. rim. To beat us. And Bohannon a had
0: the 1-3 early, right? Yeah, 1-3 yeah.
1: in transition. I mean, like early in the basketball game. Maybe yeah, first couple
0: of minutes. Yes, right? And, and then uh, never made another three. And it didn't have many more opportunities. So, hats off. So, defense can be played, Trent. because mm-hmm. yes, we saw yes. it last night.
1: Uh, only it was by Michigan. Uh, they were going to lock down on Cook. They were going to lock down on Bohannon. They did just that. Guys making leaps. You know, take, taking that step forward. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. Now, I know it's the Big Ten Network. And, and Crispin, he loves everybody. He, yeah. He, I got, I'm glad you brought him
0: up. Go ahead. He, i got to find the quote.
1: But you go through and, and you listen to these games, and it's not just BTN, but even ESPN games, and they talk about you know the talented guys. I keep coming back to that. This. this is a talented—there's talent on this team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is it just offensive talent?
0: Well, I think the
1: answer is yes, because
0: they can't play any defense.
1: Because what makes this different than a Todd Licklider team? Those were awful. That last season, they were 4-14. and well,
0: There's I- more, way more talent on this
1: team, for starters. Offensive talent. Offensive talent, right. But when you put it all together... Mm-hmm. But what, what's the
0: key to defense? you got to want to play defense, Trent. How can you not want... That? I don't know.
1: I honestly don't know. That's what's baffling to me. How can you not want to compete to dig in to, to play? It's just... You're a D1 basketball mm-hmm. player. You're in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to play defense?
0: No, and even this late in the season, you mentioned Crispin. Who did the play-by-play? Was it Revson? I don't even remember. Yeah, right. it was. Refson yeah. and Crispin, right? Yep. Um, they were dumbfounded by this Hawkeye program. Yes. They both thought that this was a Big Ten, maybe not contender, but certainly in the middle of back A tournament team. A tournament team. Crispin says last night, I love this line, well, if you're going to turn it over, at least throw it out of bounds. That way you get a <laughs> I, chance to set up your defense. That was early in the game. Early in the game. <laughs> and...
1: Uh, Well, if you're going to turn it over, you may as well throw it out of bounds. So you remember back in the day NFL Films had the 30-minute video of each team? Yes, I do. (laughs) Should that be the tagline for the 2017-18 Iowa basketball?
0: (laughs) Well, if you're going to turn it over, you may as well throw it out of bounds.
1: Your 2018 Iowa Hawkeyes.
0: Right. Not that setting your defense is going to help because they're like traffic cones, Trent. They really and
1: truly are. Yeah. How many times did they, against the zone, go to the high post, Diagonal to the other post <laughs> yeah. for an easy lay. I, time it, and that's the thing where I go back to basketball IQ. These are simple things. The, these are this you learn this in fifth grade AU basketball. It sure seems like that. And and they miss that component and the turnovers and the unforced turnovers and basketball IQ is just it's bad. When, how
0: long does, I mean? How many more uh, threes did Robinson have to make before they finally, speaking of IQ,
1: decide, you know what, maybe it's a good idea that we go out and guard him.
0: Didn't he make six in a row at one point?
1: Yeah, that's probably right. I think he did. I, I lost track, but it sounds about right. So, scouting report. You know the scouting report had to say, don't let Dun- Duncan Robinson shoot threes, right? Mm, right, and and, they, and he shot nine of them after, and made six of them. After the Chris Street game against Purdue. Mm-hmm. And they kept going under the screen, and mm-hmm. then Edwards had hit a three. And the scouting report—it has to say—I, I cannot believe that against Purdue, you're saying, "Yeah, go under every screen and let them shoot." No, you're not doing that. So are these guys not listening? I don't know. Can uh, they just physically? Because I don't think physically they can't execute.
0: No, but they've—they've got to be at a point in their season where they is they—they've got to be down on themselves too, because look, they—they yeah. they heard the hype. They had to have heard the hype. They—they sure. they thought like we that uh, we did. The media did, both in this state and a lot of it that, you know, Big Ten Network guys thought that this was the—you know who's really had a disappointing year to me? And I know he didn't get off—he uh, he was hurt
1: to begin the year. Nicholas Bear. Yes, he is not the same guy. Not the same guy, is he? And and just take away offensive And what is it with him? He doesn't have that same tenacity, that, mm-hmm. that same fire. It's just—it's been taken away. Are they beaten down? Not,
0: I, not physically, but yes, you know what I mean? Mentally, mentally beaten down. I,
1: I think that is—I think that's the case. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to recharge it? Yeah, you get season?
0: to the end of the season.
1: Yeah, and just tell the guys, go away. Yeah, T- stay, absolutely. I think that's probably the best just path. stay away. I, now, uh-huh. some guys are teammates and sure. you know, roommates, So, but just get away from each other for a while. I don't think, you know, talk about chemistry. Well, the good news
0: is they're going to have that opportunity to do so here <laughs> you know, in a couple the, of weeks. The whole month of March to right. do that. Because they're not
1: getting away from Wednesday night, I'm sorry. No, no. Unless they're winning out, yeah. And with this team, this team, pff, no way. So, team chemistry—you bring that up, and everybody thinks it's, "Oh, this guy doesn't like him." Oh, he's—I yeah, don't see that. I don't either. But when I look at chemistry, there's another component here: just the mix of guys, and it, it didn't work for whatever reason this year. It's not that they're bad kids. It's not that they're out with each other's girlfriends. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's not things like that. Just this mix hasn't worked. And, you know, Bo he gets way too much on social media. Lysakow had a great article over the weekend about that. But he needs help back there. I wasn't a big proponent of they need another point guard. I think that's overstating mm-hmm. But what about a grad transfer? Well, that's, that's the key because JUCO's. I know JUCO's in football are one thing. JUCO's in basketball. It's not all different animal. It's not the days of Indian Hills. No, with Pete Michael and right and, and those guys that right. would come in and and dominate. Yeah, it's not that anymore. But a I guy. Mean, for, there's a couple of them, but there's a f- only a handful of right, them. right, right. The the guy it's that the went grad to, transfer route. UNLV, uh, Shakir Houston. Uh, Remember him that Iowa I was too yeah he
0: was there and the it, clones ran on him for a long time
1: and I watched uh, I've watched a few UNLV games. he is really good is he he's really good. those are the top end, and if you're not getting the top 15 20 guys out of Juco, there's a pretty precipitous fall afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, chauncey Leslie's not coming through val Barnes yeah right? he's not coming through that door a couple of you know guys that Back certainly in would the help day this they would have been. Yeah. You know, val Barnes was one of them. but look find a grad transfer a guy that can play both. Combo go. Well, here's the thing, Trent. If you, if you can find
0: that grad transfer, you got a whole lot to offer him. Yes. Because there's a he's going to come in here, you would
1: assume, he's going to just march right onto the floor, I would think, if he's got any ability whatsoever. Well, that's what you're looking at, ability on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. A kid that has some leadership qualities, he doesn't have to come in, oh, he averaged 18 a game right. in, in the MEAC. Right. No, 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 no. A guy, though, that can defend.
0: But it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I see what you're saying with the leadership qualities. but Not, to get... not the
1: star. Gotcha. J- just okay. a rotational player. Okay. But I think maybe makeup might be more important than actually what he can do on the floor. Because mm-hmm. he probably is only going to have to, if it's a guy like that, if you get 8 to 12 minutes a game, but he's a guy that's going to show these guys what it takes to compete on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. A guy that's known on that end and, and can run the point for a little bit with Bohannon and McCaffrey's not just your only backup, and add some depth there, and on and on and on. I think it helps. I, if, if I was over there, that's what I'd be looking for. Yeah, Everybody wants whatever grad transfer comes out and is a good player, and we've seen that year after year. That next tier down, finding the right fit, not just going after a certain guy, not just, well, we need a point guard, and going out and, oh, here's the top five available point guards. Finding somebody that really can help and help these guys on that end of the floor. He wants that, to
0: play some defense yes. and showed that early in his career.
1: And couple that, there's got to be a change in the staff. Yeah. You, you have to. Well, I... Yeah. They've been together eight years. I, I know. But do you really... Will that help? I think so. Do you? Yeah. I, just <clears throat> a who, new set of eyes. Who's, who's, who, who are you looking at? Oh, I, have, I don't have names. I don't, you know... Just, just one of them? Just, I don't care if it's a veteran guy. I don't mm. know if it's... Recruiting isn't a problem. You know, the way I recruit, so I don't have a problem with what they're doing. and
0: No, and look, they they play in, a, they play in the Big Ten. It's, yeah. it's a good place to play basketball. It's got a lot of things going for it, including to that guy, an opportunity to get some, some appreciable minutes. Mm-hmm. Trent, they have three games left, home to Indiana at Minnesota and Northwestern. Those are three winnable basketball games. Absolutely. All three of them. Minnesota stinks. Northwestern is awful. Indiana Saturday afternoon, 1, one o'clock tip. I think it's 1 o'clock okay. tip. Uh, ESPN's got it. Um, three winnable basketball games, but I don't think they're going to win them. I really don't. They win one. Maybe one and two, right? One yeah. and two still playing on Wednesday, uh, uh, in, uh, at Madison Square Garden in NYC. Hey, I got a, you, you brought it up the crossover yesterday. Um, yeah. PJ Carlissimo, Dan Dockage and the play-by-play guy whose name escapes me, um, It was a really good team. Yeah. They were good. P.J. Carlissimo was terrific. Dockage getting him out of the Big Ten, getting him out of his comfort zone, if you will, Mm -hmm. into the SEC. It was a decent game, Auburn and uh, Kentucky. Um, Auburn's really good. Mm -hmm. Kentucky's really young and fought back, took a— leave momentarily before Auburn opened it up again. Uh, I don't know what this Kentucky team's going to do come tournament time. I don't think they're going to be long, around very long. I don't anticipate that they'll make it through the first weekend. But listening to those guys do games last night, mm-hmm. that was pretty good. That's a, that's a that's a nice little tweak that ESPN does with their broadcasting I lineup. enjoyed
1: it. I enjoyed Walton <laughs> talking about Did his you? time last yeah. night. Watched a lot of that late in the evening, uh, his time in Portland. <laughs> Uh, he was talking about like, smoke or smog and said the skies are never clear in Portland. You know, yeah. I just, I mean, it's one they haven't changed. He is, uh, he is excellent. I, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, it was a good night. Good night of hoops. And well, here we go again, getting ready for, well, tonight, anything? You know what I'm going to watch tonight? I'm going to watch
0: uh, USA Hockey. They play, oh, okay. is it Slovenia? I want to say, let me look real quick. Nine o'clock it starts. They, uh, you, the Americans got off to an, oh, they, they got beat. Um. Yeah, where, where is it? What's today? Uh they play Slo- Slovakia. Slovenia beat them. Okay. In the in the first round, so Slovakia tonight they're in Group B along with Slo- with uh, the Olympic athletes from Russia. Uh-huh. So not a lot of wiggle room. These guys need to put one in the win column. We'll see. I don't know anybody on the team. I know one guy. I shouldn't say I, Jim Slater played. Uh, was with the Jets for a couple of years. That's the only reason I know him. And he's at the end of his career. And he was playing over in Switzerland, like a lot of these guys were, mm-hmm. just trying to eke out another paycheck for another year and do his play the game that they loved. And when the um, NHL decided the they're not sending their players open the door for some of these guys. So, in that respect, you, you appreciate that because these guys had no business, uh, never would have made this team, never would have got invited to even a tryout for this team, but they're living a dream. So, um, you know, I, I do like that aspect of it. It is a notch below. Now, last night, I got to admit, I watched more than I thought I would because I'm just not into women's mm-hmm. hockey, right? Yeah. Um, and I saw somebody yesterday during the day talking about the best rivalries in sports. Yes. And on that list, this guy's list mm-hmm. was USA Canadian women's Olympic hockey. And you know what? It is a really good rivalry. It was pretty chippy when it, I was it, watching it was, too. It was nasty, yeah, Trent. Yeah. I was
1: surprised.
0: Yeah. At the end, now Canada got him. They were going to see this. This is the go- this was a precursor to the gold medal game. They're mm-hmm. the two best teams in the world. It's not even close. Um, but yeah, I was kind of surprised. It got a little chippy at the end. There is a little dislike between these uh, between these two women's hockey teams at the Olympics. I watched some of that last night. Watched some of the skiing last night. Um Yeah, it was kind of a weird night. It was. A little of everything. That's that's what you can do these two weeks. Absolutely. Bobby LaGesse Land at 10. We'll do football and basketball with Bobby. Frank Schwab, we're going to do some NFL with him. We're only here for an hour. Trent's got wrestling coverage coming up at the uh, uh, right, well, straight up at 1 o'clock. We'll be back with more. It's the Ken Miller Show, 1700 KBGG. All right, welcome back. Again, abbreviated show. Trent and I are here until 1 before we pass it off to TC down at Wells Fargo Arena as we begin our state wrestling coverage here on 1700 KBGG. BGG still to come. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. We'll get our first off-season NFL update from Frank. We look forward to doing that. One of our favorite guests throughout the year. Well, we talked a lot about it in the first uh, in the opening segment. Trent, we recapped uh, the good, which was Drake. They had a nice win last mm-hmm. night. Reed Timmer goes off for thirty-nine. Uh, the bad was. Uh that's the Hawks' performance again as they go on They're the awful. road. They're just a disappointing basketball team. Bobby LeJesse joins us. He writes for Land of Ten, along with Scott Dockerman. They're pumping out the content, already into the recruiting, etc. There's a ton of football stuff out there. So if the basketball uh, for the black and gold has got you down, which I'm assuming for most people that's the case, uh, read about the football program, and there's plenty of football content being published every day. On the Iowa section of landat10.com backslash Iowa, Bobby LaGess joins us. Bobby, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you?
2: Oh, I'm doing great today. Hope you guys are too.
0: Indeed. You know, Bobby, let's do basketball before we get into some of the stuff that you and uh, Docker are, are pumping out uh, at Landa 10 You're already doing, doing a lot of recruiting, a lot of football stuff out there. This basketball program, Bobby, um, you know, sum it up to sum of up high, as you see it. It's a it's a struggle defensively, seeming every single night.
2: It is, and it seems like you can just pinpoint what exactly is going to happen in most Iowa basketball games before it starts off with like an eighty percent success ratio. You know, there's going to be some struggles defensively. You know when they go on the road, they're going to fall behind and fall behind big. in every Big Ten game mm-hmm. on the road, they've trailed by at least 18 points that's and crazy. lost by double digits, including last night at Michigan. And you know if the offense turns the ball over, if they don't score, if they don't get Cook and Bo going, that deficit's going to be a lot larger than it will be if they're playing well. And you kind of know that's just what's going to happen most games, especially when they end up playing away from home.
1: Bobby, uh, you get a chance to to talk with Fran at press conferences from time to time in the media of Avils. We talk about the players and maybe where they are mentally. Where's Fran McCaffrey at mentally right now? Is this season also seem to be wearing on him, or is it same old jovial Fran and well jovial at times? But a guy that knows talking to the media is his brother, a, a sports writer. Uh,
2: how has he been with you guys? Any time it team has the kind of season Iowa has, it is going to wear on coaches. The question is, do they show it publicly or not, or do they show it during games? For the most part, I think Franz made an effort to ensure that when he talks to the media, he tries to keep a positive Uh focus, attitude, narrative to everything he talks about, for the most part, on things that have to improve, things he's seen that the players are doing better. And I think that's done in part because the fans have said a lot of stuff to the players. The players have seen it. And I think the last thing this team needs right now is that coming mm-hmm. from the coaches, especially in a public um, setting, like you would get in a press conference or anytime he speaks with the media. So I think that's a real concerted effort on his part to kind of keep saying, not necessarily blowing smoke with people, that this is a, great things are going on, but reminding where there's things that might be going on better than people are.
0: Now, Bobby, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's a, a, a very uh, appropriate of what how, how you describe that. I see the same thing, Bobby. I mean, we haven't seen him really snap since the Maryland game. He seems to be almost resigned to the fact that it's not going to be there night most night. I see him sitting on the bench uh, surrounded by his assistant coaches more often than maybe we've seen in previous years where he's patrolling the sidelines. He's still going to stick up for his guys. I appreciate that. But I think you hit it on the head. I think he's sticking up for his guys by – by keeping that stiff upper lip uh, when he does meet the uh, when he does have an opportunity to be in front of the media, I, I think you're on to something, Bobby.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's tried a bunch of different things, and none of it's worked. And then you say, what's the problem? And a lot of it comes down to roster construction and the players that they have. Um, there's no backup point guard. Every time Bill Hannon leaves the court, the other team seems to get like an 8-2 run or a 12-4 run or something like that. They're, they're really heavy with players in the front court, and they don't really have a guy on the defensive end who can either take the ball when Bohannon's not there, even if the guy's just a combo guard, not necessarily even a point guard, or somebody who can stop somebody on the perimeter, too. And those are roster construction deficiencies from Fran and his staff, and it's hard to solve that in the middle of the season. There's no free agency that they can pick somebody up, up off the street on. So you kind of got to roll with what you got. And unfortunately for Iowa, most times the ball's going to roll the other way this basketball
1: season. Bobby Lejess joining us, Land Landof10.com on the Iowa side of things. Bobby, uh, you had a great article up this morning uh, talking a little bit about recruiting and the changes. And we saw for the first time that December signing period, you had an opportunity to talk with Kelvin Bell. Uh, these changes, beneficial for the Hawkeyes, a program like Iowa, or do they have some concerns going forward?
2: I think it's a little bit of both. Overall, because 2018 was the first time there was two signing periods, it changed things. I, the Iowa staff learned some things. I, they, I think they liked the period because Iowa's the kind of program, it's not a true blue blood, it's not you know at the bottom end of the Power Five, but they're in that middle there, and they have some really good players most years. And Every year before this year, they'd have to babysit guys who were committed, and they'd have to hold off power programs coming after guys. I mean, in 2017, Alabama made a late push to try to get Tristan Wurfs and see if he was interested in playing there. That happened quite a bit. Now Iowa can get those kind of guys locked and loaded in December, not have to worry about them, and then they move on and they can spend their recruiting time either to fill out that class or other classes in the future. Um, The other thing that popped up during the cycle that they learned was January to June recruiting is going to matter probably more now than ever before. It mattered in the past because things have sped up with recruits, but because Iowa had their whole class done in, almost the whole class done in December, a very large portion of that January recruiting period was looking at prospects in nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. 21. Iowa wasn't the only team to do that. Iowa knows the players it likes in 19, I think a little bit more this year than they might have in past- some past years, especially if you want to go back five or ten years. The players know the schools that are interested in them. Players can visit Um, officially in April for the first time this year. They can go to um, unofficial visits, junior days, attend camps. Iowa staff believes by the time most kids hit the start of their senior year for football in August, they'll have an idea of where they want to play and will be able to commit on the spot. That's been something that's happened a lot in recent years, but with the way the schedule now sits, Coven Bell thinks it's almost if a kid wants to, he can do it, and it should be in higher numbers than in the past. So that makes the first half of the year a whole lot more important for recruiting than you would have seen in the past, where you would have seen more kids signing or committing later, later in a period like January or February. By now, most kids may be off the board, he thinks. By the time August rolls around,
0: Bobby. Uh, last summer, um, during the offseason, towards summer, you spent a lot of time in the car <laughs> driving around, talking to some of these recruits prior to them getting to Iowa. I thought it was a very uh, it was it was a lot of work on your part, but I think it was very much uh, uh, well received and very much appreciated. Uh, will you be doing that again this uh, the, 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 in in the months to come?
2: Yes, it's our next generation series where we go and visit with as much of the. That just fine as we can. Sometimes things pop up um, that keeps us from seeing kids, but we try to get to as many of them as possible. And we've already done a couple visits on that front. In January, I visited with Spencer Petrus. Went to California to meet him. Wrote um, a couple of stories for my time out there. Have a big feature on him that will run later. Met with Dylan Doyle before he enrolled early. Same thing. We had some content up on him in January, and we'll have a big feature up on him. Probably in March as we get closer to the start of spring football. But yes, myself and Scott will be traveling across the Midwest and really the country um, with this Iowa class to so let the fan base kind of get an introduction on who these players are and get them to know a little bit behind the face mask and those football pads to have an idea of who these people are that are going to be wearing you know, that Iowa football jersey for the next several years.
0: Great stuff, Bobby. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Bobby Legess. We'll read you and Scott And as we do daily, landof10.com backslash Iowa. Thanks, Bobby. All right. My pleasure, guys. Good to talk to you, Bobby LeJesse, as we talk Hawkeyes. As tough as that is to do today, Trent. Yes. As it has been to do all winter, quite frankly.
1: I'm I am I'm dreading watching this team. It's, it's like a horror movie that you know it's going to happen. It's a slasher film. It's just it's <laughs> yeah. It's not entertaining. And and yes, I I do have the fan angle. So mm-hmm. there there is deeper here, but they're gonna go two and one in final three. You have hope. I do. I think Trent are playing three teams that
0: are just they stink. They're in as much trouble as the Hawks are. This conference is awful. Terrible. With the exception of P- Purdue, Penn State, and Michigan State. Penn State. Purdue, Ohio State, there and Michigan go. State. Although I like Penn State. But not
1: with the top three. Will this hurt? Either one of two ways: those top level teams, in terms of seeding, where well, you know what? They'd normally be a two, and they're actually a four this year. Maybe we saw that last year. Remember, Wisconsin came out, and everyone thought they'd be was it pretty high? Yeah, they I, weren't even in the top sixteen. I do and remember then, that. Yeah, I mean, could could we see that happen? We got perhaps. a glimpse, like, perhaps. And then secondly, and maybe more importantly, not only do you have this extra week off. So you're going to have teams maybe a little rusty going into the NCAA tournament. A mm-hmm. couple of that, are they prepared? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be prepared for they it they compared have, to
0: other teams? Excellent point. I mean, the, the smaller conferences, the, this is a fact of life for them. This, is different. Yeah. Right. this is different. right?
1: And they're also, we get to play Michigan State. We get to play Purdue. They're pumped up for it. Yeah. Oh, East Tennessee State, great. <laughs> it was a, a Arkansas Little Rock who beat Purdue a couple uh-huh. years back. Ah, uh, uh, Middle Tennessee State. The Something State. to
0: keep in mind when you're filling out the
1: brackets. I'm not just saying it, I'm just variable. Saying. No, it's an interesting it's an interesting topic. I've lost nearly every day this month, though, betting, so I don't know how much you want to listen to March will be here before we know it. Ah, right flip that calendar.
0: Flip the calendar. We're going to flip uh, from uh, flip sports, quite frankly. Let's do a little football to finish things out today before we turn it over to you for wrestling coverage for the better part of the day. Uh, Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com, going to join us. We'll talk some off-season NFL week come back to finish things up on the Ken Miller show 1700 KBGG final segment here before we turn things over to state wrestling tournament and Trent Condon as we've been saying we're going to talk a little NFL our first real look during the uh, long long off season but already tons to, ta- ton to uh, about to talk about that's what I'm trying to say with Frank Schwab Yahoo Sports you can read in part of the shutdown corner Frank good to, to reconnect with you Trent and Ken in Des Moines how's things going Frank Schwab
3: Hey, what's going
0: on? Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I guess, mildly interested in Kurt Cousins, where he's going to end up. I cannot recall a potential free agent quarterback who's still not, you know, not free to sign with anybody, still Washington's property, and they're making some, I think, ridiculous statements that they may try and uh, tag him again, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But, Frank, can you recall uh, teams, and in particular teams, maybe some of the faces of those teams, Openly politicking uh, for a player like Von Miller is, like Joe Thomas uh, with the Browns. Everybody want Kurt, wants Kurt Cousins, and there's some uh, big names on some teams that aren't afraid to say so.
3: Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's almost NBA like. You see this within en- big time NBA free agents a lot, and you don't see it a ton with the NFL. Somebody, you know, you'll see guys, you know, say this or that, but this is just. It seems like everybody's putting on a full-court press for Kirk Cousins from David Johnson's another one, from yep. the Arizona Cardinals. He's talked about wanting Kirk Cousins, and like you said, Vaughn and Joe Thomas. I, it, it's it's very interesting. Like you said, there's just – this is a first. I, I mean, we've, we – if you go back through the history of free agency, which goes back to about 93, we've never seen a quarterback like Kirk Cousins at the open market. Mm-hmm. It has never happened. Not a guy of this age, talent level, and health. I mean, Kirk Cousins is basically a shot in the arm for any franchise who, who lands. him. so you're going to see a lot of this. I think over the next month, you're going to see even more guys just openly, you know, writing the love letters to Kirk Cousins (laughs) on Instagram or Twitter or wherever it's, It's going to be fascinating to me to see where he goes because he's he's just a kind of impact quarterback that just never is available like this.
0: Does it make sense for him to go to Cleveland and be part of a look? They got two really good draft picks, one and four. That you would think that they could get better very quickly. Sign the right free agent other than Cousins. Does Cleveland make more sense, or would he be better off with uh, Arizona or maybe with a Denver who's really good offensively but got uh, you know a porous offensive line, still a work in progress there. Where do you think his best destination would be? If, if you're his agent, where are you pointing
3: him? Well, I, I think that it, it just depends. I, it's hard to say. It's I don't know if it's in Kirk Cousins' mind or what he wants, or, but I'll, I'll make the case for Cleveland here. You don't even need to win a Super Bowl there to be alleged. I mean, you win an AFC North. Joe Thomas talked about building a statue for him. That might happen if you win a division title in Cleveland. What better way for Kirk Cousins to prove to the world how good he is mm-hmm. than to go to Cleveland and turn them into winners. Cleveland can pay whatever he wants. So whatever money whatever the top bidder is other than the Browns, the Jets for example offer him 30 yeah. million a year with 100 million guaranteed. The Browns can say okay add add 5 million to it we're fine. Whatever you want, whatever you need Kirk, we can top any other bidder. So the money part isn't even an issue anymore with the Browns. They can offer more than the Cardinals, more than the Broncos, more than the Vikings, anything. So that part is taken care of. You're going to get paid as the top player in NFL history. And then you're going to a team that I think has a lot of talent. And I know it sounds dumb because they're all in 16, but you look at this team, They've been adding pieces. I think Hugh Jackson did a terrible job last year. There's no way this team was 0-16 last season If, if with a competent coach. They, just, they have a lot of good players. Josh Gordon's back. If Joe Thomas doesn't retire, he's got a great left tackle to play with. You know, I, Duke Johnson's a very good running back. I, I, Miles Garrett showed he's for real. And then if you sign Kirk Cousins you can use the first and fourth picks on impact players. Now, you also might trade, if you have the number one pick, you sign Kirk Cousins, all of a sudden you're going to Denver, you're going to Arizona, you're Mm -hmm. going to Minnesota maybe, and saying, all right, the store's open, you guys want the first Mm -hmm. pick to get Rose and Darnold, Mayfield, whoever it is. You can then trade that, let's say the Broncos, you trade from one to five, pick up another first-round pick, and still get an impact player at five. I just think that, for Cousins, he'd be going to a team that's a lot better off than we think. And again, if he turns the Browns into AFC North champs two years, he would be a legend. We would say, oh my goodness, Kirk Cousins is so good. And the Browns, I think they benefit a ton because Cousins still has five, six good years left in him. That's a lifetime in the NFL this is just a fun fit. I hope it happens. I don't think it will, because I think Kirk wants to play for a ready-made winner based on what he said. But wow, what a fun story it would be if Kirk Cousins went to the Browns.
0: No question about it. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com, is our guest talking to NFL. Frank, I think the Colts uh, were better off when uh, Josh McDaniels turned them down and they were able to get uh, Frank Reich. Uh, they went from the losing offensive coordinator in the Super Bowl to grabbing the winning offensive coordinator in the Super Bowl and Frank Reich. Uh, I like this hire, Frank. I know that uh, he wasn't there first choice. He was way down the list. We've seen a number of coaches uh, that weren't team's first hire in the past that worked out very well. I think Frank Reich is going to fall into that category. Your thoughts on the Colts' new head man?
3: Yeah, speaking of, I'll allow my, uh, we've talked about Wisconsin here before, I'll say, I'll say it again. Back in, I believe it was 2001, the Wisconsin Badgers tried to hire Rick Majerus, great coach on his own. Yep. Rick Majerus turned them down, and the well, Wisconsin went to its second choice, which happened to be O'Brien.
0: Didn't turn that
3: out bad. out pretty well, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so just because you know Josh McDaniels was their first choice that Frank Frank wasn't that means nothing. You just get the right guy. And yes, look, I don't know if Frank Reich's is a better coach than Josh McDaniels. In fact, I don't think he probably is. But Josh McDaniels wasn't sold on the job, obviously, and. I think to be successful in the NFL and probably any walk of life, you need to be all in. And Josh was clearly wasn't all in, so I think I think the Colts lucked out. I think they they ended up dodging a bullet, or else Josh McDaniels right now isn't necessarily committed to that job. He's not invested as he needs to be. He wasn't going to be the right fit, and and. It, it, I think they really did end up better off. Frank Reich wants to be there. He wants to get this done. He's obviously has a lot of he, he has a lot of respect around the league. He has a lot of experience. I think backup quarterback is a backup of almost to me like catcher in baseball, where you see the game in a different way. Where it, I think the transition to manager or coach makes it easier. you kind of you really have to, to view the game in a different lens than other players. So I think that part of it's good for Reich. I think that I. It, being with Doug Peterson and seeing what he's done helps. I just think it does. It fits on multiple levels for the Colts. I think they ended up with a good coach. We'll see. I mean, Frank Reich's never been a head coach before, so you can never tell for sure. But, yeah, at the end of the day, look, second second choice can work out better than you ever dreamed. So I think the Colts ended up just fine.
1: Hey, Frank, uh, NFC North, three teams that matter here in an offseason of varying degrees. That is very important. New GM for the Packers and kind of a tumultuous offseason, at least by their standards. The Vikings yeah. are close; they're on the precipice, and Ryan Pace's got his guy. and well, Now he's got to bring in the right guys. Who's it most important to this single offseason? Vikings, Packers, or Bears?
2: I
3: think the Vikings, just because of the quarterback piece of it. I mean, I think that we're going to look back in a month or so and and, de- and have serious questions about the Vikings. No matter what they do, they're not in a their- uh, a great situation. I, I mean, there's more situations there to be, let's put it that way. But they're in a situation where they're going to be second-guess no matter what. Let's say they hand Case Keenum $20, $22 million a year to stay. We're going to say, wow, that, that's a pretty big investment for a guy without much much of a track record. If they let Case Keenum go, and what's the backup plan? It can't be Sam Bradford. How could you trust him? I don't think it could be Teddy either. So you're going to go from NFC, you know, NFL's final four basically, to not having a quarterback. I, I just the quarterback piece is so important for the Vikings, and whatever they do, we're going to look back and say, "Wow, I, I don't know if that was the right move." Maybe mm. Kirk Cousins is one of their moves. Yeah. They're going to be in play for him too. I just think it's very, they're the team that I look at and say, just because of the quarterback situation and how important that is, and where they were at the end of last season. You say, this is a really, really big offseason for the Vikings, and they have to get this right.
0: i got to ask you about Sebastian Janikowski. Boy, he's been around a long, long time. I remember when they... I think he was the 17th overall pick, of memory serves. And I thought at the time, my God, that a first-round pick for a kicker. Is this guy better be worth it. And man, he certainly was. Boy, Frank, he, what, what a career he had. I know he wants to kick again. He said so uh, as much. I know that uh, you've got it up. Uh, you had it yesterday on the site that he uh, won't return but wants to return somewhere else. What a career he's had, Frank Schwab.
3: Yeah, it's really interesting. I wrote about this a couple of years ago. There's different ways to look at Janikowski, and he only made the Pro Bowl once. His career field goal percentage is 80.4, percent which is only okay. I don't know. Was that? I guess that's worth a worth a first round pick to have a good, solid kicker for 17 years. I I, I don't think the Raiders necessarily regret it at the end of the day. Although Janikowski is not exactly Justin Tucker, where he was ever elite, so. Mm. You basically got a good above average kicker for seventeen years. Is that worth a first? I think it's a great debate. I think it's it, it definitely worked out better than like Roberto Aguayo at the Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, yeah, that just a, that was one of the crazy Al Davis picks of all time. I mean, one of the one of the most debated draft picks ever, uh, too. I mean, just to take him there was. Just mind blowing. So that's always going to be Janikowski's legacy, really, in the NFL. And you know what? I, I could see him kicking more. I, if he's healthy, we don't know if he's healthy yet, but if he's healthy and normal. Look, he's an upgrade over a lot of teams. I mean, the Chargers come to mind as a team that can't get its kicker situation right. There's only like three or four teams in the NFL that are just playing roulette kicker and, and the revolving door. And it, Sebastian Janikowski can't be worse than those guys. So I think it'll be an opportunity if he's healthy and wants to kick. And it'd be fun to see him keep going. I mean, he's always been fun. I remember, you know, in Denver, watching those Denver Raiders games and, and just the. the Massive power Janikowski had behind his kick. I remember him trying a, it was the, the, the infamous uh, timeout game where Mike Shanahan became, kind of became the first guy to ice the kicker right before, you know, like about the second before the snap. Janikowski rang one off the top of the upright from sixty yards. It was the most impressive miss I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it would have been if it would have been straight, it could have been good from seventy-five yards. I swear. So Janikowski's is just one of those. He's just a fun player to watch, even if he's a kicker. And I hope he keeps it going. I,
0: I saw we only got like a minute left, Frank, but just this uh, ended on this. There's only now one player left from that 2000 draft. Of course, it's Tom Brady. There's nobody in the league from two that was drafted in 2001 or 2000. Yeah. That's crazy, Frank.
3: Unbelievable! That and he's in the, the league. It's not right. like he's just hanging on like a yes. backup somewhere. This guy is the number one player in the NFL. I, I, I'm I indefinitely, in infinitely impressed with Tom Brady and what he's done at the end of his career. It's just added a, a separate legacy. And hey, good for him. Good to, for all of us old guys everywhere. Tom Brady's kind of carrying the flag. It's it's amazing what he's done.
0: No question, Frank. Thank you. We we'll look forward to catching in the weeks to come. Appreciate it, Frank. Absolutely appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com, the Shutdown Corner. We are minutes away from Trent Condon. Yes. Live from the well. I, I noticed I, I did hog the interview there, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was a method to my, mat. I'm saving your voice. Ah, uh,
1: you're, you're you're a great partner. Team players, what I am, Trent look Condon. Look at you, look at you. Now, tomorrow we're back at 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock. Wrestling coverage starts at 9 a.m. with the quarterfinals, both Class 2A and 3A. From nine a.m. to one p.m., go off the air. You and me for an hour, two-hour break. Jimmy B and T C, mm. four to six, seven thirty semifinal round. Got to get that tea that Jimmy B's been telling me about. Tea in a little honey. That's what he says. Yeah, yeah.
0: Don't listen to him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're
0: out of time. Uh, plenty more Trent Condon still to come. Thank you for listening. Back tomorrow at one a Friday in the Ken Miller Show. Thank you for listening. Seventeen hundred KBGG.